<laughs> All right. So joining me for today's meander is Jennifer Hollington. She and I worked together when I worked in the federal government almost, well, 20 years ago now at Natural Resources Canada, but she's moved into other departments since. And I believe it's, I read 2019 that you retired. Is that correct? Uh, November 2021. So just last fall, okay. officially. Okay. But I had been out of the public service since August 2020 right. um, when I uh, was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And so I was dealing with that for the last year or so of my career. Yeah. And then I made the decision to retire. Mm-hmm. Would you have gone longer if your health had allowed it? Possibly. I think I would have had the same challenge that that many people have mm-hmm. when they reach an age where they could retire, but they could continue. But having stopped work to deal with cancer and having developed a whole, uh, it was it was it was almost like you know, instant menopause. It was mm-hmm. instant retirement. I was forced into a whole other role and I found a completely new identity as a blogger blogging about my cancer journey and you know developing a life that for the first time in years allowed me to spend time with family members and spend time doing things that I really enjoyed doing writing cooking etc and by the time I recovered from cancer and might have contemplated returning to work I reached 55. I had my birthday last summer. And I just knew I did not have the fire in my belly to go back to a position as an assistant deputy minister. And it just made a lot of sense to to continue on the path I had already been on, which Mm -hmm. was having with step back from work and built a whole new life and a whole new identity. Right, right. From this vantage point now, having built this life and identity and looking back on what you did for the previous 30 years, would you change anything? I thought about that a lot. Mm. And there was a time when I thought that I might've changed something. So for example, if I had known in 2016, when I accepted the offer to become an an assistant deputy minister and and step up from the director general level Mm -hmm. to the assistant deputy minister level, um, that four years later, I would develop ovarian cancer, quite life-threatening. I don't know that I would have decided to become an assistant deputy minister, but we make the decisions on the basis of the information we have at the time. And I I think now a few months on from having had that, asked myself those questions. Mm -hmm. I am so proud of the work I did in the last four years of my career as um, Assistant Deputy Minister of Communications for Health Canada and the Public Health Agency of Canada. It was a very demanding job, Mm -hmm. but it was so fascinating. And easily the most fascinating job I did in my entire career. Mm. So from that perspective, I don't regret it at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, working at the federal government level, uh, I presume any government is is interesting, but I only know the, the federal level. Um, and having, in my career, having oscillated inside and out, I've felt the difference of being on the outside, working with uh, associations, um, or as an independent contractor in communications and now in coaching um, versus being a communications executive or a policy analyst in the federal government. Mm-hmm. There's, um, there's a, a thinking for the whole of the country, the sense yes. of national responsibility, um, yeah. international obligations, um, 
Just that sense of community building and stitching things together on behalf of something more than myself. Yes. And the budget. Yes. <laughs> Having the budget to do some of that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, it, it's a very different water to swim in than any other yes. place that I have worked in. And yes. uh, you miss that when you're not in it and you're you're, you're working on issues um, that where you have to interrelate with the federal government. It feels a lot different, you know, because I've worked in energy outside of government and inside government, and it feels very different standing outside. Yes. Absolutely. Um, the vast majority of my career was in the federal public service. So I don't have a lot of comparison to draw on. Mm-hmm. I, I do know that oftentimes people in the public service will comment on the altruistic nature of that role yeah. and uh, the, the feeling of serving, as you said, serving something greater than yourself yeah. and uh, being a, a, a public servant and very early on in my career, I had one of those personality tests and mm-hmm. it mapped me to the helper role. Okay. And it that so was so accurate for me and mm-hmm. has been uh, a thread through all of my career, but was certainly part of my career in the public service. And especially in that final role of my career, mm-hmm. when I worked on things like the Canada Food Guide, um, communicating changes to uh, the um, the government's legalization and regulation of, of cannabis, mm-hmm. um, the opioid crisis, um, files that were just very real and meaningful to people, um, vaccination and how to encourage parents to get kids to be vaccinated, mm. uh, dementia. Um, so just really fascinating um, uh, subjects and ones in which we knew we were trying to help Canadians improve their health or improve their lives. So it was it was a really good marriage for me. Mm-hmm. Tell me, uh, Helper, was that the Enneagram that you did? Oh, do you know? It may have been. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a long, long time ago. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, uh, and, you know, I over the course of my career, I had all sorts of different personality tests that were done. But that one uh, is probably one I think about the most just because it, 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 even now having left the public service mm-hmm. and what am I spending my days doing? I'm spending my days writing, trying to yeah. help people through my blog. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and actually this is, this is sort of the nub of what I wanted to talk to you about was, was, was about your blog because that is so prevalent. And we were just talking before about uh, your blog today where you were talking about, um, uh, about the colloquial expressions that come from the the part of Canada that you grew up in. Um, but you made the point that um, you were making sure as you presented this, that you were part of that. You grew up in that. You're steeped in that. I do these too. So mm-hmm. there's very much a, I'm not making fun of them. I am right. them. And so yes. kindness and helping sits really at the the core of, of of your blog. And I've been reading you for some time now. So um, I see that I see that so much. So I wanted to ask you to share with us, like, what's the story of your blog? Tell me, tell us about it. What what got you there? Why did you start that? Yeah, so I was diagnosed unofficially with ovarian cancer on July 29th, 2020. When I went to uh, my local Uh, the emergency department at my local hospital. Mm -hmm. And I thought I might be having gallbladder issues. They did an ultrasound at the end of the day. The uh, 
ER doctor called me into uh, a little room and, and told me, I have good news and bad news. The good news is you don't have gallstones. The bad news is you have ovarian cancer. And so for the next week, I really didn't quite know what to do with myself because mm. I had a whole identity that was about working long hours and putting in the time and effort needed to, as the Assistant Deputy Minister of Communications for Health Canada and, and and the Public Health Agency of Canada, during a pandemic, I was full out every day, seven days a week, 18 yeah. hours a day, full out focused on that um, that role. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I had ovarian cancer. And I didn't know very much about ovarian cancer. I didn't know anyone who had had ovarian cancer. I had no frame of reference. No one else in my family, my immediate family, mothers, siblings, children had gone through cancer. So I didn't I didn't know what to expect. So uh, it took me a week before I decided that I needed to um, take a leave of absence from work, go on medical leave, um, because I knew as each day went by the the cancer, I mean, it wasn't literally growing like this, but like figuratively, it was growing bigger mm-hmm. in my world and in mm-hmm. my life. And work was getting smaller and smaller. And I just yeah. knew that I didn't have the the energy anymore to be focusing on work. I needed to focus on my health and myself and my family. Yeah. And for whatever amount of time I I would have in my future. And of course, you don't know anything at the beginning of a cancer diagnosis. Um, So at the same time, I had 300 plus people who were working for me in the communications branch that I managed. And I couldn't imagine just one day I'm here and the next day I'm gone. And, and they would never hear anything more about me. Also, too, all the fear that everybody was in in the early days, the early you know year of that pandemic we were having. Dr. Tam yes. was uh, our chief medical officer of health, was making daily um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, announcements to the public. The prime minister was standing outside of his own home making yes. these things. Uh, yes. Nobody knew. It looked like people were dropping like flies all across the world. I mean, mm-hmm. and and as an ADM in communications, you're, you're tightly connected to the people who are on the front lines of trying to communicate Absolutely. to Canadians, getting information for them and so on. Absolutely. Just to drop out of sight would, would amplify their sense of, of, of threat, you know, and ha- right. Yeah. Now, I, as a public servant, I didn't have a public persona. So mm-hmm. people in, in the general public wouldn't have known no, who I was. But your people uh, but would. But definitely my, my staff yeah. would. Mm-hmm. And and also, I had a certain amount of guilt thinking, how can I leave this team when they're already so overtaxed? Mm. And but I knew I, I had to, like, they will, they will go on without me. And they did amazing things and continue to do amazing things as a team um, in, in my absence. Um, but I, I just felt a connection to all of these individuals and a desire to keep them apprised of what I was going through. Mm. And I think I recognized even as early as a weekend that I wanted people to know I am going away, not because I've burnt out on this file, not because I've given up on you or I've given up on, um, on the mission, mm-hmm. but 
I have cancer. And specifically, I want you to know that it's ovarian cancer because it's so uncommon. Only one to 2% of uh, people with ovaries will get ovarian cancer in their lifetime. And so I thought it was useful as a public service for people to know about that and to be able to follow me through my journey and perhaps learn as I was about that disease, as I was learning about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So a real core education. So, so two reasons to establish the blog. One was to stay connected to your staff and the other was to provide some education around this, this yes. uh, cancer that is quite rare, but, exactly. but very, very, um, very lethal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and at the same time, I was this, the, my blog enabled me to keep friends and family members mm. informed of, of what I was going through. So um, I, my sister has said to me many times that she said, I'm so grateful for your blog, because I don't have to be the conduit of information or updates on what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Anyone can go online and they can read, whether it's a friend of a friend or a colleague that I knew years ago, mm-hmm. um, they can go online and they can find out what's, what's, what's happening with me. Yeah. And so when they, you know, when somebody says to my sister, how's your, how's your sister doing? What they really mean is, how is she really doing? Mm. And that's a good question. And the, the fortunate thing is what I portray through my blog is how I'm really feeling. Mm-hmm. I really do feel grateful and joyful and um, humble, I, I think. I, I, mm-hmm. I think I'm humble. Um, and, uh, you know, positive um, and hopeful for the future. So, and, and days when I haven't felt those things, that has come through in the blog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've seen the 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 uh, the waves. I won't call it a roller coaster because I don't, yeah. I don't. Uh, having taken the intentional step of communicating with people and writing your thoughts out, it seems to me that you shifted from a roller coaster to more like riding the waves. Which mm-hmm. no, we can't mm-hmm. control the waves, but I can control how I how I sit on them. Right? Absolutely. And Absolutely. and that's different. Right. And some of my posts will start out from a place of something I'm struggling with. Mm -hmm. And I will go and I will find something that helps me to ride that wave. Mm -hmm. And in the course of doing that for myself, I'm giving somebody else a tool, a strategy, um, an approach that allows them to ride whatever wave they're on. And Mm -hmm. people are on a lot of waves. I mean, Mm -hmm. the pandemic is a huge um, if it's not a roller coaster, then it's definitely a, a series <laughs> of waves. Um, and a lot of people are struggling with, uh, they're struggling with uh, being maybe parents with kids being homeschooled, mm-hmm. and they're struggling with workload, um, and they're struggling with um, sometimes with anger or frustration with the different different approaches different mm-hmm. people are taking mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. the pandemic. Yeah. Um, well, there's a lot of grief too, right? Like, there's a lot of grief. Even for those of us who haven't, uh, I haven't lost any family members. I, 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 Friends of mine have had a friend of theirs who I did not know who, who died from COVID too. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so it's not grief in that sense, but, but it's a grief for a way of life that we've had that yes. I don't think we can have again. And yes. con- concurrent with the pandemic has also been the, this whole uh, reawakening uh, around the uh, racial 
inequalities that are here, particularly in Canada in the context of Indigenous people, but but also mm-hmm. for, you know, Canadian Black people um, and so on. We've, we've, we've begun to, we've, it's like you're in the optometrist's office and they're checking your eyes and they change those lens and suddenly we've had a lens change and we go, oh my goodness, I didn't see any of this. Yes. I, I didn't see any of this before. Yeah. I knew about it. But it's that difference between intellectually knowing about it and then beginning to f- have it land on your heart. And I think yeah. uh, to varying degrees, Canadians are having that happen yes. for them in a variety of different ways, be it Indigenous or, or or visible minorities. I'm not even sure what the language we use anymore is. Yeah. But um, to to help identify what's my part anymore? I, is yes. this okay? I'm, I'm looking at statues differently, so on and so on. I mean... yes there's a lot of grief that's out there. Absolutely. And, and a lot of uncertainty and a lot of grappling with, well, what should my approach be? Um, I know that when the mask mandate was in place, I would be very uncomfortable and I could feel the emotion rising in me, the sometimes as much as anger rising in me when I would see somebody in a store who wasn't wearing like a grocery store that I have Mm. to go to, who wasn't wearing their mask properly. And, and I, I would worry about the potential impact on me as, um, a cancer survivor and somebody who never really knows uh, how well the vaccine, the the COVID vaccine works in somebody with cancer. Right. Um, But now in some ways that the mask mandate has been lifted and Mm -hmm. I continue to wear a mask, Mm -hmm. some people don't. I, it's almost easier for me because I know that that's a choice. They're perfectly within their rights not to wear a mask. And I just, I feel less judgmental um, and more able to simply go back to a style of being that works for me, which is live and let live. Um, But it's, it's been, yeah, it's been very Mm -hmm. challenging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really appreciate your insight there because I felt the same way. Um, It's when the rules are laid out, you're supposed to follow the rules, supposed to, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And then when we know, like I know that I'm not supposed to smoke, but maybe I choose to smoke. I don't, mm-hmm. but you know, mm-hmm. um, I know I'm supposed to wear a bike helmet when I bike. Yep. I see a lot of people who don't. Yes. Um, uh, same thing, skiing uh, helmet, you know, like yep. I know what I'm supposed to do, but now that's a choice of mine as to whether or not I'm going to do that. And it's mm-hmm. a lot easier in this environment when there's, um, when there's no requirement to do what you know you should be doing mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. yeah yeah I feel the same way that, that just that tension uh between us in community can drop off when when I'm making a choice and you're making yeah. a choice and it yes. doesn't have to be the same choice and yeah. I can then choose not to I can wait until that person who doesn't have a mask on gets their oranges and then I can go over and get my oranges exactly <laughs> you know exactly. I can I know how I'm supposed to behave as opposed yeah. to you're not following the rules and you're wrong mm-hmm. that judgmental hardness can really come forward and and yeah. I think has yeah. yeah and when I was on chemotherapy uh I didn't go to stores at all I just made yeah, the sure. choice to lower my risk as much as I could. Mm -hmm. And then a a month or so after I completed chemotherapy and the Mm -hmm. doctor said, you're no longer immunocompromised, then I chose to go back. And, and in some ways I've 
you know, people have said to me, oh, it must have been really hard going through cancer during a uh, a pandemic because you can't have your friends or like a, a spouse or a, uh, a sibling mm-hmm. go with you to your cancer treatment. Well, I, I never had cancer in a non-pandemic, so I don't know what it was like to yeah. have, have a, a cancer, a chemo buddy come with me to the so I would go off to my, my chemo sessions and I would, I would have my surface and my phone and I would watch a movie because they had Wi-Fi in the Ottawa hospital, which is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I'd watch a movie and I'd, I would nap and I'd have a snack and, oh, gee, the five and a half hours has gone by and off I would go. Right. And, uh, but I, I've said to people, it, possibly the best time to go through cancer is during a pandemic because when I would go to a grocery store, not only was I wearing a mask, everyone was wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. So every, and people were washing their hands and there was limiting how many people went into public mm-hmm. places. And when I went to the hospital for my treatment, everyone's wearing a mask. Yeah. Um, so it, it, we were all kind of, it was almost like the whole world was a bubble mm-hmm. um, protecting people from uh, communicable diseases. So mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it was actually quite fine to go through it. Yeah. And, and as you say, you didn't know any difference. So no. Yeah. Yeah, That's yeah, right. Yeah. So how has you've been blogging pretty much every day, right? You drop something every day, every day. Um, every day. How has that affected? Like, how has that helped you? And how does that rigor of that practice affected you? So um, I think uh, as emotionally strong and resilient as I am naturally, I think the practice of reflecting every day on where I was and what I was going through probably did help with my outlook to be even more positive and Mm -hmm. more grateful and more seeing the blessings in my life Mm -hmm. than I might have otherwise done. Um, So personally, it, it was very helpful. The other thing it has done is that it has allowed me to, um, form deeper connections with people I already knew, mm-hmm. develop new connections with people I didn't know, mm-hmm. and reconnect with people I knew in the past. And that has been the most amazing gift. Mm-hmm. And every day, I put a post out to the world. And it's fascinating to me that maybe once a year or once every six months, someone who reads um, will write back to me, to say like a, a w- woman today she's a I know her she was a, a a former colleague I only knew her as a francophone from Quebec mm-hmm. but she tells me she grew up in Almont yeah. to anglophone parents wow and I thought how is that even possible yeah because she was commenting on these mm-hmm. Ottawa Valley expressions sure, sure. I wrote about so last she night. would know them yeah she would know all of them and I yeah. thought isn't that fascinating yeah. that the way I put my Self out to the world and I get that it's a boomerang effect mm-hmm. I get this I get love coming back I get encouragement I get interesting information I get information that helpful to me in just going through uh, health related matters yeah. um when I found out that I have a, a mutation in my BRCA or BRAC um breast cancer gene mm-hmm. um I had I wrote about that and talked about the fact that uh, I was con- then I was contemplating now I've made the decision it, the the surgery is in the future but I have made the decision to have 
a bilateral mastectomy mm-hmm. to reduce my risk of breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Well, someone I didn't know, um, a fellow public servant who had come across my blog because I posted on, I mm-hmm. post a link on LinkedIn among yeah. other places. And so she said, I am exactly where you are, or I was exactly where you are today. So she too had a gene mutation in her BRCA2 gene, made the decision to have the mastectomy, still believes to this day it was the best decision she made. Mm -hmm. It was so, I mean, what a gift to me to Mm -hmm. get that kind of information. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been really amazing. And um, I, now I've forgotten your second question. (laughs) Well, I have two, so that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, okay, it was, good. it was, how does, how does it, how is it benefit? How does the rigor of the practice benefit? Oh, you? The and rigor. You, yeah. You, you, right. you've covered a lot of that. It, yeah. yeah. Well, what the rigor does is I never have to decide, mm, I'm going to put out something today or not. Like, mm. uh, I don't know if I'm really feeling it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause if we wrote only when we felt like writing, we probably wouldn't write a lot. Yeah. Um, so it's never a debate. I have this amazing streak going on of 600 and I'm probably around 622 posts wow. now, 622 days. Yeah. And uh, I just like many nights I sit down and I have no idea what my post is going to be about that day. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll start writing notes about what came up in the day mm. and I'll think, yeah. And I'll, sometimes it'll be a snippet of a conversation or a quote mm-hmm. or something like last night's post was inspired because um, the post from the night before uh, a woman had commented on to tell me about this great expression her mother uses or her mother used, which was she didn't really have time to do something. So she would say, we'll just give it a lick and a, lick and a, a, promise. Lick and a promise. Yeah. And I, never heard that and I thought oh I love that yeah and it reminded me of all these expressions that I grew up hearing mm-hmm. and using as as a kid in mm-hmm. the Ottawa Valley mm-hmm. and so that's what led to that post so I'll, I'll just reflect on something that's gone on in my day mm-hmm. and or um sometimes it's things that are going on in other people's lives you know mm-hmm. something my kids are struggling with or I had had a conversation a friend reached out to me this was maybe two months ago mm-hmm. and he had had a stroke and he was in, well, by that point he was, he had gone through the hospital system and now he's in more of a long-term care situation and I had a long conversation with him. And so my entire post was a message to him mm-hmm. about how valuable he is and the contribution he continues to make. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the compliment he gives to a nurse, mm-hmm. um, the, the encouragement he gives to one of his kids. And what's interesting is I can be writing to one person, but that post will mean something to many other people who find themselves in a similar situation. It's a little bit like what they say about art, you know, art is in the eye of the beholder. And that's because when we look at something artistic, we we interpret it, go back to your lens analogy, we interpret it through our own lenses, mm-hmm. what's going on in our lives. And um, it is um, bring gives me such meaning to take something like cancer, which most people hate and fear and loathe and are angry about, and turn it into something that has been uh, that has given me such an, a tremendous return. Mm-hmm. I always say that I do not wish cancer on anyone, and if I had my druthers, I would never have gone through cancer, mm-hmm. but I did. And I think I learned a lot from it and I've gained a lot um, from the way I chose to respond to it. 
Mm, yeah, from the way I chose to respond to it. That's that's the key, right? For not just cancer, but like yes. everything. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you know, I can be get mad at the guy who cut me off in traffic, or I could say, well, clearly he needs to get somewhere more urgently than I do. Absolutely. Um, and and offer an old fashioned word, grace. Yes. Right. Yes. And so, it it really is. Um, a choice. It is. And you know, that's one of the, um, somebody asked me yesterday about um, what I hope that people will take from my blog. Mm -hmm. And one of the answers I gave, and it's, it's one I, I think is really important is, I want people to know that you can go through something really hard. And still, even in the midst of that hard thing, uh, see the beauty in the world, and the love in the world and take that love into your life and appreciate the time you had appreciate that day because mm-hmm. that day you've been given mm-hmm. no guarantees for the future it's true for all of us um and just i think that's i think that's what a lot of people have taken from it mm-hmm. um they've said you know like if jen can be going through cancer and still be smiling or grateful for something. I think I can do that in my life. Mm -hmm. The other thing I I said to that person and is that I hope that people will take from my story, the importance of taking care of their health Mm -hmm. and advocating for themselves and not putting off to tomorrow what they, uh, what they should do today, particularly when it comes to their health, Mm -hmm. Um, not putting themselves behind other people like, oh, I just got to do this thing for work. And I've got to do this you know, oh, I've got that big meeting. I couldn't possibly, mm-hmm. you know, go for that test I'm supposed to go through, uh, go for go today. For mm-hmm. um, life is fragile. Health is fragile. You never know what might be going on inside you. So it's good to stay on top of it. Yeah. 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 Your your blog covers a lot of topics, not all of them health related, but, but absolutely. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, it's it's been it's been fun to see the the various ways in which it has wended its way through time. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't catch every single one, but I, mm-hmm, I catch mm-hmm. a lot of them. And yeah. um and as I say it at the sorry, go ahead. Well, and I think that's a good way to kind of um to put cancer in a box. And and you know, if you think back to if you use the wave analogy, mm-hmm. cancer could feel like a wave that is coming and just engulfing you and mm-hmm. overtaking you like and drowning you yeah. and mm-hmm. suffocating you. Um, but if you find a way to kind of get on top of that wave and ride that wave, yeah. then cancer doesn't have to be this big thing that's hanging over you. Mm-hmm. And I choose not to let it be a big thing hanging over me. And I think every day I write a post that has nothing to do with cancer. That's a good thing because it says it's a part of me, Mm -hmm. but it's not, Not it's not even a big part. Mm -hmm. No. And you know, who knows, maybe I'll have a recurrence and it'll become a big part of me. I mean, I certainly didn't expect to go through a second cancer Mm -hmm. after having gone through ovarian cancer. Um, And I also chose to talk about that. It it's funny. Um, you know, some cancers are easier to talk about than others, but a cancer that has to do with anything around your bum, mm-hmm. who wants to talk about that? Yeah. Um, but this perianal skin cancer that I had and and had surgery and then was advised, you know, you would, you know, you could keep monitoring and let the re- the remaining precancerous cells become cancerous cells, or you could go through 25 rounds of radiation. Mm-hmm. And I thought, 
especially when when the the, the radiation oncologist mm-hmm. said, you know, 85% of people who go through this radiation are cured of that cancer. And I thought, oh God, I love yeah. that word cured. Sure, sure. There's no cure in ovarian cancer. No. And so I, I didn't expect uh, to have to, to go through that. But yeah. in, in some ways there was like, there was an, yet another way mm-hmm. to increase awareness mm-hmm. about now a different kind of cancer. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, that one people don't know about at all either. When you first posted around that, I, I saw the comments on the on the Facebook post and it was like, I had no idea that this was even a thing. How would you yes. even get cancer on your anus? Oh my goodness. No <laughs> idea. Thank exactly. you for letting me know. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one person said to me, you know, I've been having some issues and I finally got the courage to call, go to my doctor and say, okay, is this a thing? Mm -hmm. And he said, "Uh, no, it's not cancer. Not not for you. (laughs) But yeah, but you still need to be doing this and this and this to deal Mm -hmm. with the issue you do have. But fortunately for her, it wasn't cancer, but what a relief for her um, to have gone through that. And genetic testing is another area where, Mm -hmm. um, some people have an opportunity for genetic testing by right. virtue of a relative being having been diagnosed or, or found to carry a gene mutation. Mm-hmm. And so I've written about that as a way of mm-hmm. encouraging people who might find themselves being offered genetic testing. Mm-hmm. My encouragement it is take it. Yes, mm-hmm. a lot of people say, I just don't want to know. Uh, I'd rather not know. Mm-hmm. But for anybody who has gone through the testing and does know, um, and you know, some of the people are told, you don't have that mutation. Mm-hmm. What a relief. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, there, yeah. there's so much to sure, that sure. you can cover in a, in a blog like this. Yeah. Talk to me about courage, because it seems to me the courage to have these difficult conversations is part of this too. We've talked about kindness. We've talked about grace. We've talked about education, yeah. but, but an undercurrent here also is courage. Yeah. And I find that courage is a bit like a muscle. The more you exercise it, mm-hmm. the stronger it gets. And I find having talked about, well, I, part of my courage for this blog comes back from having had a previous blog. Mm. So when I was at Natural Resources Canada right. in 19, uh, what, what would the year have been? No, 2008. From 2008 to 2016, I had a blog that I blogged about once, uh, once a week. It was called Cafe Gen. The focus was success at work. And I would say my blog now, Genesis, is success uh-huh. in life. Okay. And so I, I remember early on in my Cafe Gen blog, uh, writing about thinking, should I be talking about myself in this blog and reflecting how I see something and how I experience something? And one woman wrote to me and she said in, in the comments, and she said, that's exactly what people come. They want to know what you think. That's why they're coming here. What do you think? What do you feel? What are you going through? So I had years of experience. I wrote probably 600 posts in the Cafe Gen blog over the course of the almost 10 years that I, uh, that I did it. And that, had I not done that, I don't know that I would have started Genesis as a, a blog to document my cancer journey, because I just would have felt too self-conscious and I would have mm. lacked the courage. Right. But I gained courage and I exercised that muscle in my first blog and I brought that into my second blog. And then um, as you write and you put a post out and you get positive feedback 
on it and thanks from people that, oh, this is helpful to me. Uh, it just gives you more courage to mm-hmm. say, um, I need to talk about some other aspect of, of there, there's such a public service that comes from talking about some of the nitty gritty details of mm-hmm. going through chemotherapy or going through radiation or um, being diagnosed with, with a, a cancer or two. Mm-hmm. Um, not all leaders are that open with their staff and blog, particularly I know in the government. Um, how did that affect your leadership? Or did it come out of the kind of leader that you um, intended to be? Uh, I think it's the latter, that um, sharing my story was an extension of being a leader. Mm -hmm. And I've seen people since my diagnosis who are in a leadership position Mm -hmm. who will disclose that they have cancer, but they choose not to disclose anything more than that and you never hear more. Now, I absolutely respect that. Mm-hmm. No one needs to know or has an obligation to know what you're going through. Mm-hmm. I could have simply disappeared and gone on sickly, but I know people would have thought that I had burnt out, that I was, that I had, and nothing wrong with that either. Mm-hmm. People have burnt out and, and that's very understandable. And I hope they always get the, the help they need. But I wanted people to know exactly what I was going through and what a public service to be a leader with the profile I had in the federal government. A lot of people knew who I was Mm -hmm. by virtue of my Cafe Gen blog Mm -hmm. in part, by virtue of having worked in the public service for 33 years by the time I retired, um, by virtue of being an assistant deputy minister. And there's only, I remember thinking, I think there's 300 or Mm -hmm. maybe maybe 400 assistant deputy ministers in the entire public service so there's not a ton of a lot of you um so i just knew it was such a platform that i had and i had attention and eyeballs and i could turn that to good by talking about exactly what i was going through um so it was it's very much an extension of my leadership Mm -hmm. did it affect the um leadership of others around you That's a really good question. Um, I certainly know of a lot of um, ADMs who read my blog and mm-hmm. and will reply back to me. And yeah. some somebody said to me, um, my post from about two days ago. She said, "I applied your post. I cleaned one drawer in my kitchen, <laughs> and before I started work that day." Yeah. And I know she's an extremely busy person. Um, another ADM said to me. Uh, wrote to me one time and she said, you are giving us the courage to have the kinds of conversations Mm -hmm. that we need to have. And I think in her case, if I remember correctly, she was referring to conversations within her family. Mm. So um, sometimes uh, like a conversation might be, I might write a post about say genetic testing Mm -hmm. or about understanding your family's health history. And that may lead a parent to have a conversation with say an adult child or a teenage child mm-hmm. to say, um, you know, you really should know a little bit about our family's history. Mm-hmm. Our, and because um, I find now when you go to a doctor, it's not like it was maybe back in the day where your doctor would go through the, like you would have a physical mm-hmm. and they would kind of, they would look at your entire history. Mm-hmm. Now I find 
um, healthcare, and I understand why it is, it tends to be a little bit more transactional. It tends mm-hmm. to be what brings you in today. Mm-hmm. So you come in with your one thing that mm-hmm. you're aware of or you're concerned about, as opposed to a doctor saying, how about thyroid? Any thyroid problems in your mm-hmm. family? How about gallbladder? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's an example of a kind of conversation that people can have. Um, I've written about having an estate information document yep. where you capture all of those yeah. things that don't get captured in a will that are in your head that you think, oh, well, they'll figure it out. No, don't make them figure it out. Yeah. Write that stuff down. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, uh, just my um, my online presence. Mm-hmm. If if my kids in the future had to say, where is like, where is mom's online presence? they might be astounded to know, oh, and she's got a Pinterest account. Mm-hmm. And how do I close that thing down sure. or, or whatever? Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've got to so, go through and find all those things. And, and Right, mm-hmm. exactly. So, um, the, I mean, some of those thing, things I've done in part because going through cancer and, and it being, especially ovarian cancer, being quite life-threatening. Um, but other things have just been motivated by other things. Like when my brother passed away a couple of years ago and my uh, my family, were, we were helping my mom manage the estate. Mm-hmm. Like we were kind of figuring things out based on scraps of paper. And there was nobody to ask, um, yeah. does he have an, you know, where does he have bank accounts and yeah. does he have life insurance? So, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All of that stuff. We, we've handled a, a couple of estates for family and uh, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a lot. So that was, that was, a, I think, a post that hit home for a lot of people, especially as, yeah. as we're looking at our, our aged parents or our siblings who we might be uh, executors for. Um, Absolutely. Mutually or, or so on and so on. Our kids who, who may have to do stuff for us um, is just there's, uh, there's so much more real estate to cover these days. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And it's not like I figured it all out. No. And uh, no, but you plant the seed to say, hey, yes, maybe this is something you might want to think about. Like, yeah, because I'm trying what's to the figure situation this out. for you. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Is there anything else that you want to share with me about this before we close? Because it seems. Uh... I, I just, I, I, I I think there's such an opportunity for us to positively affect the lives of the people around us. And it doesn't mean you have to have a blog that you publish Mm -hmm. to the world. It's tiny little things like the conversations you have, the um, telling someone, I love you. Mm -hmm. You're important to me. Um, I really appreciated that time when, Mm -hmm. and I have had a lot of that when I when I first took leave from work, mm. I was just flooded with stories from my employees telling me, um, I remember, uh, a, you know, my very first day of work, mm-hmm. when I came into your office, and, and I was just tagging along with my group, because they were coming to brief you on something. And you insisted that I sit at the table. And that really meant a lot to me. And I, yeah. and I think, oh, wow. And yeah. she said, uh, and it was my birthday that day. And you made a fuss over the fact that it was my birthday. Mm-hmm. And somebody else would say, I remember I um, had to brief the management team. Mm-hmm. And when they introduced me, um, you, tur- you turned and looked at me and gave me a big smile. And that really made it you know, easier yeah. for me to do I felt welcome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It kind of mm-hmm. makes me teary-eyed just yeah. thinking about um, all of those stories. And, you know, somebody said to me 
early on in my cancer journey, she said, you will feel so much love. And I have like felt so much love and Mm -hmm. never alone. And part of that is because I've, I've had the courage and I've been willing to be vulnerable and Mm -hmm. I've put myself out there and it gives people um, just sort of a hook to, to come back to me with something. And um, uh, so I guess maybe my parting message, what would be take those, take that time and have the courage to tell somebody how important they are to you mm-hmm. and remember those those little stories and share them with with people because it will mean so much to them mm-hmm. some oftentimes people a they've done something great for you and they have forgotten that they did mm-hmm. something and how yeah. meaningful it was to you or b um you've influenced them from afar and you don't even know yeah. that they are, you, you have influenced them. Yeah. And uh, that that's something I have discovered in the last uh, couple of years. And mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing for other people to, um, you know, to, to remember that tomorrow isn't guaranteed. So today, if you have an opportunity to say, I, I appreciate you. Yeah. That's a good thing yeah. to do. Yeah. Choose kindness. Mm-hmm. Yeah kindness matters yeah yeah great well thank you so much this has been a real pleasure thank you so much trudy it's been a pleasure for me too thanks for joining us on this episode of meanderings with trudy feedback is always welcome you can send me a note at meanderings with trudy at gmail.com and please subscribe to this podcast wherever you get yours thanks for joining us i'm trudy chapman